welcome to another edition of From the Frontlines, where we discuss both the day-to-day and one-of-a-kind issues facing real estate managers. Our topic today is technology and energy optimization. I'm Suzanne Hill, and I'm here with Drew Folks on the growth team at Mesa, one of Google's products focused on sustainability. Welcome, Drew. Thanks, Suzanne. It's so nice to be here. Drew, can I start by asking you about your background? I understand you have worked as a property manager, so I'm sure that came in handy um, when working on this product. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's certainly nice to be able to um, commiserate with the folks that we, we get to work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah, I got the great pleasure of starting my career in co-working, actually, which I, I like to consider like really high-touch property management um, because our leases are month-to-month. So if I didn't do a good job, I got to see the results of that very quickly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, starting commercial real estate and being able to bring solutions focused on the folks that are actually operating these buildings and in it on a day-to-day basis is very satisfying. Absolutely. I think that's why our people love what they do. Um, why are tenant temperature complaints something we hear about frequently? Why do you think that's so common in real estate uh, management and building operations in general? I think that's a great question. Um, well, I, I think of this as, um, as kind of an equation for operating real estate. Um, and the equation, the outcome of that equation is always with the inputs. Um, and I think that the inputs that we've, we've put in the way that we operate buildings uh, are fairly antiquated at this point. Um, it's not anyone's fault. It's, it's that we're operating with the best data that we have. And, you know, for the last 50 years, the way that we've been operating commercial real estate has worked We've, we've all been very successful. But it, you can trace it back to the, I mean, even the 1950s and the way that we've written some of the, the codes and best practices around heating and cooling. Most of those codes were written with the assumption that the folks in buildings were primarily middle build men wearing wool suits. And as I can tell you from working in a very plural Google office, that's not the case anymore. Um, we are different people and we we wear different clothing and we're, um, you know, certainly a more inclusive workforce than it was in the 1950s. Um, and I think that what's been difficult is it's, it's hard to change those assumptions without really credible new data. So uh, if it's worked before, we'll fall back on it. Um, and I think we're, we're really coming into an age right now where the cost of getting that new data is becoming significantly less. Uh, it's allowing us to make better decisions. That's really fascinating. So what is the biggest challenge then for building operators in managing these tenant complaints? Very practically, it's that um, I've never met a building operator that was looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's always a fire to be put out, hopefully not literally. Um, but, you know, most of your job as a, as a property manager is really on a good day, you get to work with your tenants, you know, hours of the day. On a bad day, um, I've been in this situation myself, like your hands and knees, you're on your hands and knees in a boiler room trying to triage some problem before anyone notices. But there's a lot of work to be done. There's, there's never a lot of downtime. So I think a lot of it is that as a property manager, when we go into a space, we're trying to understand whether this is a problem that's, that's subjective um, or objective. Uh, we're trying to figure out whether this is a system issue or whether this is an individual space problem. Um, and a lot of the times, uh, we just don't have the data to really know. So I remember 
you know, as a property manager, if I got a complaint from one of my tenants about the temperature in a space, a lot of the times I just, I turned down the air, but I'd go up there with like a, a thermometer, and like a, one of those laser sight thermometers. And I, you know, put it at the duct to make sure that it was blowing out air at the temperature I thought it should. Between you and I, that was probably doing nothing, <laughs> but uh, it put in FaceTime with my tenant and it, it showed them I was on it, but there's not a lot we can do. Um, and also it's a full-time job to serve these tenant needs. So we're constantly focusing on what's the highest value. Um, is it, you know, putting in FaceTime with the tenant, making sure that they're happy, or is it proactively trying to manage the energy of a building? Chances are it's the former nine times out of 10. Um, and then I think also, you know, it comes back to a really basic problem is that you, you can't really manage what you can't measure. There's a lot that we're not measuring in buildings. And frankly, historically, the cost of measuring those data points has been too expensive. And I'm not just saying from a, from a capital standpoint, I'm saying from a time standpoint. Um, I think we entered an era of prop tech where there's a proliferation of solutions on the market. But there's also all this new data that's coming in. And if you don't have the right people to turn that data into action, it's not really worth very much. So I've, I've seen folks that at first, they're like, I don't have a dashboard. And now they're like, I have way too many dashboards. It's like they would rather fall back on what they know works. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think a lot of what's happening in these buildings is these property managers are falling back on what they know. And that makes a ton of sense. But we have to make it, the onus is on us as the technology provider to make it infinitely more easy for them to be able to incorporate this data in what they do and ideally do it in a way that doesn't make them change anything that they do. So I think, I think what we're going to see is a trend towards passive solutions in which uh, you kind of de-risk being able to plug and play solutions into buildings and things are going to get better on their own because of the technology. You're not going to ask the property manager to change what they fundamentally do well to drive an outcome. That makes sense. And managers, like you say, are so busy day to day to have that passive technology seems like it would lead to that adoption. To that end, tell me about Mesa. What is this building level technology and how does it address the problems you speak of? How does it really empower the tenants? Uh, that's a great, great question. The reason I was attracted to working with the Mesa team, um, because I've spent the last several years working for real estate technology companies, and then before that, some other startup companies, and then commercial real estate before that, is that a lot of the solutions on the market that I've seen, um, they make it, we're, we're fundamentally in an industry that's, that's focused on de-risking everything that we do. Um, we don't want to take, go outside of the, the norms of what we've seen work on the balance sheet and take a risk on a technology that we're not sure if it's going to have a return. Um, so there's a couple of things that Mesa does. Mesa in and of itself is a controls product. It's a controls and optimization product. So think of it as like a smart thermostat on steroids. Um, it's something that makes the default of what's happening in the space uh, inclusive of the way that the space is being used for the purposes of passively driving down the carbon consumption of the building. And that was a very fancy way of saying it's kind of like the same technology that we see in light switches when you leave a room, the lights turn off. We figured that out 10, 15, 20 years ago. What we haven't figured out yet is how to be able to do that on the higher consuming things like heating and air conditioning. And that's what Mesa is doing. It's taking data from a space through off the shelf sensors, um, 
through the smart thermostats with occupancy sensors that use the same passive infrared as the aforementioned light switch. Uh, from point solution sensors that are battery powered, you can stick on windows or can take like granular heating and cooling data points like temperature set points or humidity uh, data points and bring them into a system that's going to be able to crunch that data and then control the building in the most optimal way. So whether that's if people aren't using the room, setting the temperature a couple of degrees lower, or if people left the building for the day, turning off the heating and air conditioning, adjusting the schedules, um, adjusting the set points, kind of all these things that um, it would be far too expensive to have a human being do that. And they probably, even if they had the data, wouldn't know what's the most optimal point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, as property managers, we're constantly striking a balance of our number one priority is tenant satisfaction. So even if we have a, an agenda for reducing the carbon of the building, that will always be superseded by making our tenants happy. So if I have a tenant that is in a space, I want to make sure that it's heated and cooled so that I won't get a tenant complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always going to trump my ESG agenda for the space. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult as a property manager to balance um, tenant, tenant satisfaction and energy optimization. And if we try to do it ourselves, if we just try to throw people at the problem, it would be a full-time job. So rather, we're falling back on the defaults. What I think NACE is trying to do, and I think we do it really well, is we're improving the default. We're making it so that there's a system in the background that's passively considering how the space is being used and changing the conditions of the building so that it's using less energy without asking the property manager to change anything about what they do. Right. And data is not subjective. So you're going to have better outcomes than if you did have a a human trying to do, trying to accomplish the same thing. Right. So it sounds like this is primarily, this solution is primarily used in commercial spaces. Is that correct? Or is there an application in say multifamily or, or industrial or some other property types as well? So Mace is compatible with most commercial office buildings. Um, currently we're in, we're in commercial offices. We work with sto- schools. We work with retail stores, some mixed use buildings. Um, but I think the special thing about the clients that we work with is it's not your typical prop tech customer. So most of the space is focusing on class A towers, which if you look at the distribution of real estate in the United States is really about 12% of the building stock. Mm -hmm. So there aren't solutions being catered towards that other 88% of buildings. They probably almost certainly don't have a building management system or something that's controlling the equipment whether it's on-site or remotely. And there's not a lot for them. And, and in aggregate, they make up the majority of the carbon. So this goes back to the that concept of de-risking. If I had a 20,000 square foot building and I suggested putting in a BMS system, which could be anywhere between a dollar and $10 a square foot, nobody would allow me to do that. It might make sense uh, you know, from an energy management standpoint, being able to have control of the building, but I, I could never get that math to pencil out. So there aren't solutions on the market that allow folks with the majority of the buildings to engage in that space. I had a, there's a, there's a colleague of mine who uh, I, I really enjoyed this metaphor. He said to me that 
you know, there are solutions on the market, but it's like if the problem was I needed you to go to the grocery store and I gave you a school bus to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like I could probably do that, but I would, first of all, it's way too expensive, way too big. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to be more complicated for me to accomplish my goal. And there's no car or bike or scooter or some intermediate solution on the market yet. And I think Mesa, uh, what we're trying to do is democratize energy management for the rest of us. Um, when I speak to clients, I ask for, I mean, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but I say, look, you know, give me your, your tired, your poor, your huddled masses of buildings. Um, I don't want to work with, I don't want to work with the hundred floor tower in downtown Manhattan. I'd rather work with the bank branch or the charter school um, or a class B office building in the suburbs that probably hasn't gotten a lot of attention for a very long time. Yeah, and I'm sure our, our members manage a lot of the, that 88% of those buildings that are out there um, that, that don't have those high price point solutions and so forth. Um, speaking of, where have you seen this technology work successfully? Can you give us some real life examples? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I, I think one of our hallmark customers here in, in New York has been Heinz. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that we've been working so closely with Heinz is because they really get it in terms of their responsibility for decarbonization. And they've given us the opportunity to pilot our solution um, in an office building here in New York, where we've installed everything from smart thermostats to sensors to smart plugs. We're learning about their occupancy patterns. And the interesting thing is we're able to intelligently disable plugs when no one's there. So things turn off when people leave the room, much much like my metaphor around lights. And what we've seen there is somewhere around a 41% energy savings year over year. We reduce runtime by about, um, and runtime being the amount of time that the equipment's on, um, by about six to seven hours a day. Wow. Um, and it's because we're changing the assumption. We're, we're changing the input of that equation. And as I mentioned before, like, you know, the data is out there, but the data has to be it has to be de-risked to the degree that it's it's inexpensive to gather that data, and then it has to be seamlessly put into operations without it necessarily disrupting everything that we already know how to do in commercial real estate. Well, this is really exciting. It's neat to see this, this type of technology that's coming down the pike that's really accessible to you know some of those class B and C building operators. So thank you so much for sharing this this technology with us today, Drew. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the podcast and it's such an honor to be on here. Thank you so much. Visit irem.org for more knowledge to take on real estate management's most dynamic challenges. That's www.irem.org.